Welcome to the future of gaming. GM friends and welcome to the future of gaming. You're listening to our weekly podcast. We're recording this the week after GDC. I'm still recovering from COVID that I got at GDC. So if you were there with me at our meetup on Thursday and you have COVID now, I'm very sorry. Um, we've got one of our usual co-hosts, Devin Becker. And then we have a very special guest, Ocke André, who is the CEO and founder at Crypto Road Games. How, how is that pronunciation? It's pretty good, actually. Yeah? Better than okay. I can Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so today our main topics, because we end up not really knowing where we end up, are KYC and AML for Web3 games and also VAT for Web3 gaming companies. Um, Oka has some relevant experience there, um, but he's not a lawyer. None of us are. So do not take anything here as legal advice. It is purely informative and entertainment um or entertaining like hopefully entertaining <laughs> um and you know it should it should I mean, it guide you in 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 uh i guess like how how to approach this um fantastic so you usually you you will know devin you will know me but okay can you tell us a bit more about yourself and maybe also like two minutes about what you're building okay uh so um uh... Oak André, um, I'm 43, uh, based here in Sweden. So, shortly like my background, like, yes, gamer, uh, done stuff in the gaming sphere. Uh, but I think for this particular topic, uh, my background has also touched running companies in the online gambling vertical and also been uh, in the fintech segment, uh, running companies there as strategic advisors to uh, some of the biggest uh, payment companies in, in Europe, uh, like uh, PayOn, uh, Worldline, um, and as a, as a strategic advisor in uh, navigating um, the high-risk verticals for f- for fintech and high-risk for verticals. A high-risk verticals would be like like the online gambling segment or or like uh, fintech also looks at uh, crypto as something that is high-risk, right? Um, and it's really there that you learn KYC, AML, like where things can really go wrong. Um, so that's why they also need strategic uh, advisors from people who knows the industry and, and and to guide them. So that's that's my background. Um, and what we're building uh, at Crypto Games is an action RPG game, so, uh, traditional action RPG game uh, in the same vein as, you know, a merge between Diablo and Path of Exile. Um, but we were using the blockchain uh, in a more sensible way i guess uh, on mechanics that are proven so like on the seasonal in these games it tends to have like a seasonal resets and so what we're doing is that some of these uh, like web2 items can be then crafted into uh, uh, web3 items and, and and then players can choose if they want to trade them or or, or not uh, or they're being carried over to the next season um so it's it's we're not forcing uh, our place uh, to to use the blockchain uh, side. It's it's very much like optional. Uh, otherwise, yes, focus on focus on the game and, and and hopefully they think it's enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. Then uh, let's dive straight in. Um, Oko, could you maybe start with like a, a brief explanation of what KYC stands for and what it is? Same for AML, and then um, 
I guess talk us through your journey from starting Crypto Road Games and how you're thinking about you know complying with all relevant regulations um, in in you know bringing it to market. So um, KYC stands for Know Your Customer, and uh, I think it's easy for me to describe this from uh, an online gambling casino perspective. Uh, and then I think we can follow that red thread into what we're doing today. Um, so in a casino, um, if you're doing an online casino, uh, you need to, to know who your customer is, knowing um, because when you deposit the uh, money into a casino, um, it's to make sure that A... <laughs> You can follow if this person have um, gambling addiction, <laughs> which is kind of important. Like that, uh, here in Europe, there is also rules and regulation like that. You need to be able to lock yourself out. Like I don't want to gamble anymore. Then you need to be lock yourself out from all of these online casinos. So it's it's also like a help tool. Uh, and the second would be um, we need to know where the funds are coming from. Uh, in the early days of online gambling, people could just deposit money. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, like in the early 2000s, just like this poker boom, everyone was playing online poker. Well, that is all good and fun when you when you deposit money. But if we three are playing an online poker site, um, we're on the same table. Uh, I I am a villain. I have some dirty money, and I make a deposit, and and then I ship dump uh, to Nico. Uh, and to you, uh, Devin, so we're spreading out like 10, 10 grants. You get five grants each. Uh, I'm, a ho I'm a horrible player. Now you guys withdraw it, and it's now in your bank account. That is a perfect way to launder money. Like, it was never thought about that way when, when we started playing online poker, right? Uh, like, when you set up a poker site. And as an owner, you probably weren't thinking that people would use your product in such a way, right? So that's the uh, that's the reason why you need to know uh, KYC on your uh, on your um, on your customers, and that's where AML question comes in, like anti-money laundering. Uh, how do we prevent this? And and if you have a product where uh, that is online and where money can change hands between users, then you have a potential scenario of where uh, money laundering could happen. And you need to then identify your in, like the sources of money coming into the site or your product uh, and uh, when they're leaving. Um, so that's, that's like a short and, and, and somewhat perhaps clunky explanation of KYC, but just trying to make it understandable uh, for those listening. Now, when we started this journey of thinking like, okay, we want to build an action RPG game. Everything would have been so easy <laughs> if it didn't touch blockchain. Because there's proven framework how to do fiat monetization with, uh, let's say you have V-Bucks, right? Uh, or Robux. This is already proven. It's out there. It's uh, you, you know uh, the terms and agreement, and uh, and you can pretty much copycat what's out there from a legal side, and and you're safe. Uh, now, could you elaborate on on the the exact mechanics, how that works, and then talk about how it's different now with with the blockchain? Well, 
if you look at something uh, in gaming when it comes to you are doing you make a purchase uh, with traditional fiat to to let's say uh, V-Bucks. Um, there are several reasons to do that from a company perspective. Uh, one, um, if you have uh, if you have uh, then you have one transaction that is going into. Uh, uh, the company uh, in in terms of profit, and when it comes to um, your VAT questions, because each transaction you have to actually declare, right? But then you're getting these credits that players can use inside uh, your system. But inside uh, inside the inside your app or your game, um, uh, these these are called credits um, are actually not owned by the user. There, there's, there's actually owned by the. You're, you're getting a license to use this credit from, from whoever owns the game, uh, and so you can spend them inside uh, um, the, the game, right? So, so in, in theory, actually, we have the, the, they have the right to just confiscate these credits, um, um, but it's, it's to make sure that it's not considered to be a money transaction uh, inside their app. Uh, so, if you have a money, trans uh, money, money transaction inside the app between users, uh, then then it's then you're stepping into this world of problems with with money laundering, right? Uh, and it's it's, a, it's about simplifying these things. And and I think you will see SEC uh, in US started to like using this uh, as something um, that they're pointing out that is happening in transaction for uh, with this app using BlockFi uh, blockchain. Um, and so that's what I mean that if Epic are using this uh, and and majority of 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 the game industry are already using like this uh, in game currency uh, it, it's pretty much proven like uh, and 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 that is like something that we know how it works problem starts when we start using tokens <laughs> blockchain tokens and 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 that was one thing that we started to look at when we started this journey like uh, with, uh, with my studio in 2022. No, in 2020. Um, the one thing we looked at was like, okay, we're going to build this game that we call Crystal Nair Moons. And then it's like, hmm. <laughs> if we, we know how to monetize on the fiat side, uh, but on the blockchain side, how much can we allow inside the game without getting us into trouble? Um, and we started actually communicating with the financial authority of Sweden. Um, many, many, I think many entrepreneurs are very afraid of when they hear the word financial authority. <laughs> it sounds something that's very intimidating and scary. Uh, I am glad that I live in Sweden, uh, and that I do not live in the U S for example, um, uh, the financial authorities of Sweden are actually awesome. Uh, they're not unfriendly at all. Uh, they're not there to try to stifle inf innovation. Uh, and they're, they're actually pretty uh, um, experienced or knowledgeable about blockchain. And, and, and they, they just wanted to work without uh, consumers 
being hurt basically so uh it was great to 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 brainstorm uh, uh with them to get some uh, feedback um and the same thing with the uh, the tax authority we had also some questions regarding VAT questions uh, when it came to uh, uh, NFTs and, and how to tackle them. Uh, but what we did identify is that we probably would be much safer like um, if we didn't let the fiat economy like interfere with uh, the Web3 economy. Meaning that with, you cannot use fiat to purchase let's say, an NFT in our game. Um, or you cannot use um, something that is Web3-related, let's say a token, to purchase something that, has, that you're buying with fiat. Don't let these um, two mix, basically. So you separate them completely. Because what happened then is that... And, and, we can, and also, don't... Whatever you do, don't let the, um, <laughs> a player be able to buy a token inside your game. Like if you look at something like, uh, I guess Axie has always been <laughs> a, a good example of, from, from a regulation standpoint, that's probably going to be um, a challenge. And that is like, if you let players find a token inside your game that has a monetary value on the outside, then it doesn't matter if it's just one token. You would be considered to be a virtual asset service provider. So what determines the, the, the actual, whether or not it has a dollar value? Like if it's traded person to person, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. So let's say, uh, you know, you're able to get something with an Axie and that can leave Axie and be bought and sold. At what point, like, do they draw that line of, okay, there's a marketplace, therefore it now has a dollar value, or if it's peer-to-peer -peer trading only, or if it's on exchange, like, how do you decide, like, this quote-unquote has a dollar value versus just, like, people are selling, buying to each other? Um, yeah, things like I, that. That's what I'm curious about. Very good question. And, and, and again, um, I don't have an exact answer for how they're thinking and seeing this. Uh, I think that will be more crystallized down, like further on. But it's from my interpretation, and <laughs> this is my personal interpretation, like studying this, is that it tends to be as soon as there's like your token are on exchanges and, it, and, and when you can actually trade it for, for in one way or another to fiat, um, that doesn't necessarily have to be uh, the truth there. Um, but but my philosophy is this: is that if you don't need to, and and I would say that many games really don't need to. Uh, there's no reason for you to let players find tokens inside your game. Like um, why go there? It's it feels like early on. Uh, like um, I know Nico, you love this word gamefi, uh, <laughs> and. and you're killing me, man. <laughs> yeah, but but like those early way was uh, a lot about uh, like trying to make people feel that they can make like an interest. Like it was so much focus on the earning side. So that was kind of like the reason why these mechanics were in place without thinking about the potential consequences. Uh, so that's, uh, I guess, is, is where it, it, it all started and, 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 and went wrong, I guess. It brings up just a lot of questions. I feel like 
haven't really been clarified or answered, as you, as you mentioned, around whether or not something has a value and how you assess that value and like at what point it kind of crosses the line between being just a video game item to being like a digital asset, stuff like that. Like, for example, in the U.S., right? Like, I don't know how it is in other countries, but even barter is supposed to be taxed, right, as a transaction, even if it's just barter between two things and doesn't have like a dollar-denominated value. And so it's like, then you have, I, I'm not sure if you just have to estimate the worth or whatever, but all these things are, you know, not necessarily buying and selling always with fiat, but if they're, if they're transacting in other things, like if I buy Ethereum and then I use that Ethereum to buy that thing, am I technically buying that thing in fiat? And all these kind of weird things where like things get abstracted out into these layers. And at some point, you know, the government obviously steps in depending on where you're at and decides this has a dollar value that doesn't have a dollar value. And you talk about things like licensing and weird things. It's like, makes me think of like, if I, if I buy a gift card from a company, right? Like a gift card is not really technically a dollar value anymore, right? Because it's, it's only good within that company. Like I can only exchange it for goods within that like particular company, sort of like a license thing. And they have some rights around being able to like cancel gift cards and stuff, but I can also sell my gift card to someone else, like in the real world. Right. And there's sites that just buy used gift cards and buy and sell them. And it's like, Oh, does that then make it like outside the system and now a dollar value? And it's like anything that can leave a system can be tradable. And so that starts to really like blur a weird line, I think, in terms of what we determine has value and what is like taxable or uh, has has regulation around it. And I think this crypto space has actually kind of opened that up, that can of worms. Uh, I mean, you, you have the whole idea of like, oh, are, is art securities and all those other weird sort of questions that start to get asked more and more as well. And we start looking at like, what is this digital asset? Oh, it's just a piece of art or it's something that works in a game or, or all these things. And like... I, it makes me wonder then, like, was uh, there, you know, as much regulation around, say, Diablo real money auction house items uh, and stuff like that, where there was like the ability to transfer out or even like Eve stuff where you can use Plex to sort of buy things. And there's like this weird half in the real world kind of stuff. It, it's, it just seems like a real can of worms for governments to dive into at this point. I had this interesting conversation with, um, I guess, like, what what's it called in English? But. The division for future tech, let's call it that, at the financial authority here in Sweden, um, and and the gentleman leading that division where blockchain falls under, as he was saying, is that financial authority they go in and regulate something when they see that the market itself isn't using some kind of best practice, or where they are not. Uh, regulating the market themselves, they like the financial authority don't want to go in and regulate if they don't want like need to. They want to stay the hell away from it basically. But when they see that there's like a lot of people like getting scammed or uh, there's you know issues happening, then they step in. Um, so. I think there's probably like more areas where, like to point there, Devin, where like uh, the financial authority actually um, could step in, but they are rather um, stay in the in, in the background and let the market try to figure it out themselves before having to go in. That's that's my take on 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 it. Um, yeah. It seems like in the U.S. we definitely have some. Uh, interest, I think, from like Gensler in, in stepping in, at least from the SEC perspective, things like that. It, it, 
I mean, I'm not sure how it is in other governments in terms of like how much they are kind of eager to get involved. But I feel like in the U.S., maybe it's just because of like the like, – as you said, the scams going on and other stuff where it's like a consumer protection kind of thing that they're starting to get more interested. And obviously it sucks. We can't self-regulate to the point where we don't need them to step in. Uh, but it definitely seems like – you know, Gensler was just testifying I think – yesterday the day before um and and saying a bunch of stuff around you know wanting a bunch more money for enforcement and stuff like that and wanting to enforce more um because of like just the amount of scams and other things going on obviously ftx was i'm sure you know a big trigger for that and big collapses like that but you know <clears throat> the funny part is that ftx.us wasn't even actually like the 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 one that kind of collapsed everything so it seems like it, it might be like a territory by territory thing. And then it's like, well, then how do we deal with that? Like from a global perspective, if everyone's kind of treating these things differently, like, do we need to be like, I know like an IP law, for example, we have a lot of treaties between countries to try and get everyone kind of on the same page of respecting intellectual property. Like, do we need to maybe do the same? Because maybe we didn't need to as much with a lot of other things that don't go cross borders as easily. Um, but obviously with, with money suddenly being like, you know, we have SWIFT and other things that regulate are, are regulated and controlled and you do things where we like, you know, cut countries off from it with sanctions and stuff. But this is you almost have to regulate it in a different way. And like trying to get all the countries on board, especially now that we're going, quote unquote, to like this multipolar world where there's less cooperation between some of these. You know, you've got like BRICS going on and like uh, just even the the China, Russia, Iran thing where they say like, oh, these these don't apply to us. Like, I wonder if we can even get to a point where regulation can be agreed upon globally enough that we don't end up with huge chunks of the world that are that work very differently, despite this being a very global technology. Personally, I would say no. <laughs> no to uh, what? Th- that we're going to have like one one thing to rule them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, regulation going on. I, like, I don't think that will ever happen. Sorry to say, and and I think that is an adv- <laughs> Okay, that is what we were going. We went into on this project, uh, a modular thinking, uh, and having like the gambling. Uh, approach uh, from a company perspective i will give you a clear example like let's say in in uk you're not allowed to have uh, uh auto spin <laughs> i think if i remember it correctly like uh, in germany you cannot bet more than i think it's like one euro per per spin there's like there's certain like every restriction have their own take on like this you can do, this you can't do, and so on and so on, um, which makes everything quite like a hassle if you want to capture like all of these markets. Uh, Sweden have their own regulation where it's like, okay, you cannot offer, if Nico starts playing at our site, like we cannot offer you like a reload bonus because that is like kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> incentivizing gambling addiction, I guess. Um, so what we're doing here is uh and that's why it's also like why we separate in these like two economies with the full uh understanding that in the mika regulation in europe we're probably going to be super fine everything that we've read on on the mika like what we're doing with the uh, our game crystal Nair moons is fine uh will it be fine in us i have no idea 
<laughs> like it's so schizophrenic over there. But what we can do is like what we inside the company calls like ma maximum revenue exposure. We can still launch the game with with you know just the fiat side, and and make uh, earnings with traditional monetization uh, of the game there. And and then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's certain things that. They're going to make it so that we cannot be in certain countries with uh, with the uh, uh, allowing the players to connect the wallet and so on. How are you going to uh, like uh, check that though? That's what I wonder. So because like, we go from a you talk about gambling right, and you've got like physical gambling. Okay, that's easy to regulate. It's within country or state borders, right? Like you can you could very easily do that in theory. Uh, then you go to online, and it's like okay, well it's online websites, and like we we'll just do geolocation stuff around IP addresses, and then and then people use VPNs to get around it and stuff like that. And then when you get to crypto and you're not even connecting via IPs necessarily all the time, it's like wallets and stuff like that. And you combine it with VPNs and there's a lot, I mean, maybe this is where we start to kind of dive into the KYC AML stuff, but that's where I wonder, like, if you're trying to go, okay, well, we're trying to stay, you know, to these countries regulations, we want to expand these other countries. When you're on the app store, okay, that's like a little easier, right? Cause you just like, oh, I'm going to launch in these app stores, whatever. But if you're on the web or you're on other platforms that maybe don't have like some automatic like location restriction to the de like, deployment platform, that seems like it's a big task for crypto games in general. You kind of answered that question, <laughs> but, but yes. Um, so Okay, uh, that's there's a reason why we're working with Worldline. Uh, I mean, yes, I was a strategic advisor to, uh, to to Worldline, and and I kind of have like a good insight in in how they operate and how their like uh, payment stack looks like, um, and how it actually helped uh, the online gambling vertical, right? Where you can actually, I mean, you can you can block it on on. On IP, right? You can block it on bin range on cards. Like there's like a whole bunch of ways to block something when you have all the data on a transaction level. But, but now we're talking on the fiat side, right? And and as you just mentioned, the problem comes when you want to connect a wallet. And the only way that we have found right now to do that, I mean, you don't want to unnecessarily push KYC on somebody, right? Um, and and because it causes friction and, and we want to remove as much friction as possible. But the reality be that it could probably look like that if you're going to connect a wallet to an app, then you need to do a KYC. I mean, like to just have a wallet, I don't see that to be a problem. It's a moment like when you try to withdraw something or, or do something with the app, uh, where it's like uh, something that's being moved in terms of, of a value. It could be that that's the intersection point where you need to do a KYC. Um, yeah. I kind of wonder if we could have like a really simple, because um, obviously KYC gets pretty complicated, right? The amount of stuff that gets checked and stuff like that. I, I do wonder if there could be, say, a service provider that um, just really checks which country you're located in, maybe by an ID. Like they don't keep the ID information on, on files, so there's no risk of that leaking, but they do validate what country you live in. And then basically soulbound token that to the um, to the wall, right? So it's like, okay, I've got essentially a digital ID from this company vouching that I live in this country, and therefore that like acts as your sort of ticket 
into services that allow people from that country, right? And then it applies that sort of regulation to you and stuff like that. Like, I mean, do you see some potential there or is that like just not deep enough from a legal standpoint to start to allow some, like to open up things a little bit more? Like, do you still have to do IP checking on that, all, all those other things? Or can you just say, okay, we can legally trust this other authority that's vouching for, you know, your location? Yeah, I, again... I, I, I'm not legal. <laughs> Nothing of this is legal advice, financial advice. Definitely. Whatever. I was just wondering if this is stuff that's like, uh, been <laughs> no, kind no, of explored. But, but here's or... the thing, um, and that is that at the end of the day, you want to be able to... I, I often say, like, you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror uh, and say, like, I've done everything I can in my power to lock uh, uh, a person. Like, let's say that... Let's talk about the U.S. market, Right. I have blocked, I've done everything in my power. I've even used like uh, on the fin, like let's say that I'm working with somebody like Worldline and and like, okay, when it comes to to blocking a U.S. citizen out, they are not allowed to to even deposit or do something in my app. And if, and then in terms of agreement, obviously it states the same thing that like you are not allowed to use this if you are from this, you know, country breaking regulation if you're doing that. If you uh, like Devin, then use the VPN and and you know breaks into this and and still manage to use the product, uh, even though everything we tried, uh, I mean it's not your fault as a company. And I mean you are uh, like the villain, the user here, and and I I think that is what also authority looks like uh, uh, or look into like are, are you doing everything you, you can to stop this and it's like yes but still <laughs> you know it, you're still going to have one these incidents uh, and it's it's also and that's also why it's important that uh, when you have something, if you're holding uh, customers' money, uh, let's say that you have a wallet and you have an app like that, I mean, then it's even more important that you're looking into uh, prudential behavior or, or these things when it comes to countries that should be blocked uh, for these transactions. Do you think so this is I think, is, I, I, I think, I think gate, some though? of this is actually what? Do you think this ends up being a big gate though for for just playing games? Like I've suddenly got to do KYC, AYML to, sorry, can't say the acronym, uh, to to just play a game uh, and just spend money in it. Like I know there's like, you know, some level of identity, uh, of course, to to say buying in the app store or something like that. But this seems like another level of like regulation and, and validation that you have to do just to let people spend some money in a game because suddenly you could take it out. Like, do you think that, ends up being a little bit of a negative for players because you know we talk about web3 wanting to be like a benefit for players right but you're also now like actually kind of bottlenecking your own funnel of players in because you're saying sorry like you can't really participate fully in this game because you're not willing to do like kyc aml stuff or do you just like gate it on the way out you say like you can go ahead and spend money in here all you want but if you want to extract stuff out now you've got to do the kyc aml like like uh you know the way Say some of these, uh, like Benji's bananas, like you know, you can you can participate and earn whatever tokens, but if you want to actually cash it out, you got to do the, the, the KYC AML stuff. Like, is the, is that kind of the approach you guys are taking then to not stop people from getting into the game? If you look at our game, um, we have always taken the standpoint that the entire game has to be playable <clears throat> for you without the blockchain side. You shouldn't be punished <laughs> like severely for, for not using the blockchain side. Um, otherwise, it's 
it becomes a problem, uh, in my opinion. Um, but so for us, when it comes to, uh, if you think about it as a user, if you want to trade something on the outside, then you're incentivized because, like, I'll give you a great example: um, Path of Exile, Mirror Calandra. Uh, let's say that that has a that that drops and you want to trade it outside uh, Path of Exile. I think it's like going at 180 bucks for for a miracle land or something. I don't know exactly. I was looking <laughs> some weeks ago, um, and that is a pretty clunky journey to get that sold to get some kind of cash from it. And not only is I mean it's it's also <laughs> it's it's um, gray slash black market, right? And and there's so many people that have been scammed in this journey. Ask any player if you take a hundred player today. Uh, this is not just some legacy thing from like you know ten years ago. Ask today. Take a hundred players, and then you look at like how many have actually like been scammed like in this journey of trying to sell the item, and how much actually real money did they get? It's one thing that is if you as a buyer buys the 180, don't think that you're going to get the 180 bucks for it. That's far from it. it. Probably you're lucky if you get like 120, right? Um, so from a player perspective, that that has a huge incentive, right? To to like if if I want to do it, and then it's such a much safer thing to happen on the secondary market uh, to do it with blockchain, much less uh, like no middleman uh, as such, um, and it's easier and faster. Uh, so 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 that's. Um, what what we see is like, okay, here it makes sense, <laughs> and and help and help uh, help these players. Um, but one thing that I believe is that in the future, as we see this moving forward, like you are being um, KYC. I would say like in. We take our fiat uh, transaction for granted how it's being processed. Uh, I think very few people actually knows like uh, at at when they're being KYC'd in some of these transactions, because I mean, first and foremost, you go to your bank, you get your card, so you have an account, right? And, and so you have been KYC, like the bank knows who you are, and then you have this transaction, and then you have three uh, D secure transactions. To further like confirm it if you like, to it's like this two-factor authentication that is like, is this really Nico or Devin or Oka doing the transaction? So it's like I think like this is a process that is very smooth for us. Well, smooth. It can always be better, but I think the many consumers they don't have a problem with it. Did our uh, like I remember like my grandparents they refused to use cards. Like that was so scammy and was so clunky, according to them. I mean, just look at how payment uh, with cards were in the beginning of 2000. It was super clunky. Like, but we forgot about that. Like, we've forgotten that journey, and we just look at where we are right now. It's so simple, it's so easy. How we and that pay was with really cards, on ramps, right? Like, so like MoonPay and stuff and ramps stuff like that. You're going through that clunky process again. Like, I mean, once you do yes. it, like you can kind of stick with it, right? But they can't just like have your bank vouch for you and be cool. You've got to go through like the whole identity verification and all that stuff. And then it's like, oh, if a different on ramp provider is used by a different game, I've got to go through that again. Some of them may have problems. Some people like, for example have trouble with their skin color with the camera can't verify and like 
all those kinds of problems that come with it, like it's it's definitely not smooth if you're trying to on ramp. It's like even something like Coinbase or something like that, they they can be pretty restrictive and you have a lot of problems because like that's the problem right now is banks aren't on ramps, right? I can't just use my card and do anything in crypto pretty much like it all has to go through some kind of other provider or some other thing because the bank itself doesn't participate in that in general right I mean, maybe there's banks that i don't know if that do actually do participate in that maybe that's what signature bank was doing before they got shut down i don't know but uh that seems like a big gap right there then like in, in going back to what you're saying about kind of clunky uh cards and stuff like that like then we are kind of still in that when it comes to bridging that gap like do we do we get past that yeah. point to where we're all kyc and then it's fine again uh, I 100% agree, and <clears throat> that is also another reason why I think it's like, and and that is also another reason why we're using this um, dual methods, like fiat and 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 the Web3 approach with with our game. Um, we do see also in the industry like those established like. Um, you see the initiatives from Visa and MasterCard um, and how they're looking at uh, a blockchain. And, it, and the same thing with uh, Worldline. Those that has the uh, the technology to improve and help uh, Fiat on-ramp, they are looking at this. They they know that this is something that, like this friction needs to be solved uh, uh, and and blockchain is not going away. Um, I'm pleased to see that these kind of uh, players are also like at consensus next month. It's in April, right? That they have presence. Like more of these like old established fintech companies are starting to get presence there and trying to figure this out and, and, and to, to, to solve these things. So I think that like in five years time or something like that, you will see like huge improvement in this. And, and, and where like this clunkiness in terms of like, because there has to be <clears throat> uh, uh, some kind of um, partnership, it's perhaps like the wrong word, but like they're working together. Uh, uh, the old established um, payments and regulation if they wanted to use this technology. And I think they are in agreement that they want to use it. Like, why would otherwise spend so much money on it? So so I, I think it's a, it's a question like it's a question of time. Do you think uh, we had, like, a fully regulated stablecoin or something like that, that it would be easier than for banks to be part of that, where a bank knows, okay, this is always going to be costing the same amount it's regulated it's backed up it's not going to be like tether or one of these other ones where it's kind of sketchy then therefore we can essentially transfer value onto the blockchain relatively securely we're following the regulations like do you think that would smooth things out in terms of banks being able to deal with this because obviously it's a little weird right when you're like hey bank can you buy some crypto for me Right. And then it's like, well, who are they buying it from? Where are they buying it from? Whereas like, you know, something like USDC, right, tried to deal with banks. Obviously, that had its own issues with banks, as we saw with um, SVB, right, where like the collateral could potentially, you know, run into problems and stuff like that. But do you think that sort of thing helps facilitate that or or that maybe that isn't a factor? I think it. I think. Yes, and I think that's exactly what the uh, our industry, like the Web3 industry, don't want to have. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like this in Sweden, you have uh, 
you would call it the e-crown, switch e-crown that they're looking into, right? And, and I think that uh, our industry, like, okay, I shouldn't say guess, I shouldn't say our industry, but I think if you look at where c- crypto came from, like this decentralized, like, like everybody's their own bank and everything is decentralized, that's, I don't see that ever happening because all the endpoints are centralized and and we have to we have to play ball we have to accept that fact and then like uh, the products in the middle uh, you know those can be decentralized and there's uh, several like amazing use cases uh, and I, I i often when people ask me about like blockchain and and so like how 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 i look at it uh, i try to explain it like when i grew up we um uh, i had on TV, you know, the TV tableau, like if there wasn't a specific show I wanted to see when I was a kid, I needed to catch that or record it on my VCR, right? Uh, nowadays, it's TV on demand, Netflix. So we decentralize how we consume TV. And my kids look at me like, like, Dad, your childhood sucked. Like, it's like horrible. <laughs> so I, I think... Um, these things are where like yes there's a lot of decentralization that is positive but like um these things like cbdc like e-crown or or like those things could probably help but i also see that like the the old school crypto fan base fear this i guess even more reason why banks would like it then right <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we definitely have had problems with decentralization, like the mixers getting blocked, right? Where the where they just were straight up like, hey, this is not allowed anymore, proving like even decentralization has choke points. I I, I definitely see us like getting in situations like that where um, this whole money situation of transferring money onto and off of the internet essentially becomes you know a problem. But I think also like we have. An interesting thing going on with the world economy right now where, where say, for example, the dollar suddenly is falling out of favor and all of a sudden we've got different competing things for the reserve currency. Maybe that opens up the the sort of potential more for more currencies to be in the mix that might be digital or might have other value. Like that's what you see, you know, for example, people flooding to say Bitcoin, right, when the banks are getting unstable or the things where we go, well, where do we put our money if, say, the dollar isn't the reserve currency anymore? Do we then start putting our money in other countries' currencies? Do we put it in digital currencies? And I think it starts to open up more possibilities, but also like maybe a little more infighting between countries over these regulations and like having to create more choke points between them and stuff like that. And I, I got to imagine that's going to get messy for games, kind of bringing it back to the games here, like to make that work, right? Like suddenly maybe your game suddenly has to a- adopt all these other different cryptocurrencies for its exchange just to be able to get in and out. Like, like the way a, a game that wants to accept fiat payments from different countries has to do with all these different payment gateways, right? And like, Obviously, mobile app stores made that a little easier where you're like, oh, let the let Apple or Google deal with that, right? Like, I don't have to have like, you know, Stripe and BitPay and all these other like 10 million other like things there uh, as an option, right? Because maybe PayPal isn't universal or all those things where it's super scattered. Do we get end up back in that point with crypto because like, oh, this country isn't allowing this particular token to be used there and so I can't use it in my game. If I want people from that country to play, I have to use this token. And maybe that's a central bank token because maybe China says, yeah, you can have crypto games, but you have to use our central bank digital yuan uh, in your games and stuff like that. Like that seems like it could get pretty messy. But there's another part 
that I think is overseen, um, and that is the VAT question. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, like with everything you just said, and, and then we just stop and we look at VAT. What many like are forgetting is that <laughs> if you sell NFTs, like I'll give you an example here, like and and a huge shout out to to Abba Thieding, uh, the CFO at at. Uh, um, God, what's their what's the name? Completely uh, brain melt here. It's it's an L one. Um, maybe it comes back to me. But there's a few there's a few cool people in this industry that are actually trying to do right and <clears throat> and we're here uh, before our company and it's like we're coming together try to figure things out together. Um, oh, sorry. Chrome away, for God's sake, <laughs> Chromia. <laughs> <laughs> now they're also based, uh, like, have a, uh, an office in, in Sweden here, Stockholm. And and when you start in this journey, like, uh, I I had so many questions. And as an entrepreneur, like, I'm always uh, stunned by some uh, entrepreneurs who are completely like they, they they don't even care about the law. Like, they just go. I wish I were the kind of person that could just shut my eyes and run but then you're probably going to end up in the orange jumpsuit we do but, that a lot in the u.s yeah, we're just like yeah. disrupting right <laughs> yeah. we're just we're just but, jumping but, straight but the, to work but the, the reality is this that like so many entrepreneurs that want to touch this like, like they have sleepless nights and i actually had uh, i created like this meetup in in sweden with some other entrepreneurs uh, touching this technology and he asked at the dinner, asked like, please raise your hand. Whoever had like kind of like this fetus position in your sofa, uh, like a sleepless night, wondering like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Uh, there's like this unknown question mark that could potentially be like has very serious legal consequences uh, for your company and especially for you as uh, the owner of the company. I mean, like you, you have to pay attention to these things. So we started to work together and tackle these questions, and 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 I learned a lot to to other uh, people that have been in this industry uh, for me and we could like put our brains together um and we would identify also like the problem with VAT. So like we we started communicating with the tax authority of, uh, of Sweden, and and where it's like it's obvious that like if you sell NFTs from like your web page, like your homepage, then you're selling it, then you should report each of these sales. And in Sweden, like that is 25% uh, VAT on each of these sales, right? Uh, <clears throat> and if Devin, uh, let's say Nico uh, is buying from from Holland, uh, then uh, it should be reported to something called one-stop shop. In European Union, you have like a centralized where you should report this VAT, where it should be going. So that's like um, another question mark, right? Um, and outside of European Union, there shouldn't be a VAT. So like the only thing we could just come up to and we started talking with the tax authorities like, Okay, so let's say that I sell for 1 million USD. 1 million USD, and, and that means that I should pay like 250K in VAT, right? But we don't know where all of these sales are coming from. Like, uh, and, and now how, how do we go about and report the correct VAT amount to, to the tax authority? So it's like, so then I asked them like, what if... I pay you max VAT 
in theory, like I should probably not pay you 250k, but that's not how much we know that we have sold for. Um, but we are just going to pay you maximum. And they were dumbstruck at the other end of this conversation. Like, so you want to pay more t- VAT than you than you actually need to just to be on the safe side? I'm like, yeah, because have I actually done anything wrong? Then can you come and 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 punish me for that? <laughs> and 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 they pretty much are like, well, that that works, I guess. So for the U.S. people, like, you want to explain how value-added tax works? Because, like, here in the U.S., we just have, like, the sales tax, and it's, like, enforced, like, I think, state-to-state. And, like, so how does VAT work in general, like, in, in Europe and, and all that stuff? How it works? Yeah, like, it it just applies, like, is it just, like, a percentage of every transaction uh, as yeah. a tax, like, a flat tax? Is it per, per country? Yeah, it's, or? it's different uh, based on different goods. So, like, uh, certain things, there's 12%. I think art is falling on the twelve percent, um, and then the majority of things in Sweden falls with twenty-five percent, um, like six percent and twenty-one percent in Belgium. So uh, this is just a better place to live. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> better beer, a better place to <laughs> buy well. from. Then, yeah. uh, no, but um, so it's like so in Sweden. So then you have digital goods, and and the thing is, I think many. Uh, are also looking at this uh, from the perspective of like how and then the question is like marketplaces like for example like OpenSea the one thing that uh, many of these marketplaces I think are potentially going to set them up in having issues is because like it doesn't matter whatever you write in your terms and agreement if you're trying to like this because many of these terms and agreement that they're writing is like okay we 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 are not responsible for VAT, etc. Like from whoever is using this uh, this platform, it's all on the end users' uh, responsibility. Well, the thing is that you cannot, uh, uh, in an agreement, write yourself free from the law, <laughs> right? It is Why like not? saying that in Sweden, I, I I write in my terms of agreement that I should never pay VAT. Ever and, and, and it's a, it's it's a civil agreement between me and 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 you, Devin. You have a company here. It's like I don't need to pay pay VAT, and we have an agreement on that. Uh, like the tech store is going to come and say, like, well, okay, this looks nice, and then they're going to wipe their ass with that paper and throw it out the window. It's like, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like this, guys. So like, tax law is you know it's not the same as civil law. So that so, so that means that I'm wondering what's going to happen. Uh, with with these marketplaces, because uh, one thing that is, uh, you know, when you, when you're selling your digital goods for a game on a centralized uh, marketplace like App Store, it's not your responsibility as a game studio to report VAT. That is up to uh, 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 App Store in this case, right? Um, and and that's actually something that's being tested now with marketplaces. It's like if I'm selling my items uh, uh, on a marketplace. Then isn't that a centralized uh, place where it's being sold? Even if we in our world look at it as a decentralized marketplace, um, there's some interesting questions happening on VAT um, uh, uh, when it comes to to these marketplaces. Quick question on that then: So, when VAT is determined, is it the country that you're buying from, or the, or the like the person buying it where their country is? Like, which country is uh, applying the VAT? So it's where you, the buyer, is coming from. Okay. Cool. Good. We uh, we covered a shit ton of ground. I feel like 
there probably could exist a podcast series that is only talking about this stuff. Um, I feel like there's still a bunch For to sure. be told. Okay, I, I'd like to have from you a maybe final couple of tips for web-free game founders out there, like your most important tips, um, how to approach you know everything that we discussed just now. Wow. Well, um, don't be a wild cowboy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, be cautious. Uh, uh, but, but like, d d don't be over-cautious that you're, like, so you're paralyzed. I think that just having, like, this mindset uh, that not everything will be decentralized is a good way to think about this and also to have, like, uh, a module thinking about how you're building your games. Uh, try to think about... Uh, it's nothing wrong to having a backup monetization that is proven, which is fiat. Um, and, um, and, and if things apply in the real world, as in normal games, who have to pay VAT and think about these things... Uh, like what you just because you're using something on the blockchain side doesn't mean that you're exempted from the law like there there's there's a lot of industries where you can look at that has kind of like paved it like somewhat of a framework that you can be within and that's why we looked at online gambling we're not i mean obviously our game is not gambling but i think it's it's something that is under the financial authority supervision and and has still been able to work on a global scale uh that's that's uh, it's i think it's a good thing to 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 look at how they've been navigating a, a market that is moving from unregulated to regulated and trying to learn something from there and or and i also think that don't be afraid to reach out to other founders uh that is that is doing this journey because most of us are actually just you know nice guys trying to um <laughs> to build something and, and gladly share uh, knowledge that is actually one of the reasons why i'm thinking about setting up an incubator uh here in umio for uh, other game studios that wants to to try out using this technology and and where we can help each other and learn and, and you know share the blueprint of things that works and doesn't work do you, and do you financial know regulators are less scary than they seem. Oh yeah, like <laughs> they, at least they, in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like both tax authority and 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 financial authority, like you, don't be afraid of them. Like they they're not there to you know nail your ass to the ground. It's like they 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 do want to help. They want you to make money so they can tax you. Right. Oh, of course. Legit. Yeah. All right. Play ball. Fantastic. Okay. This was uh, this was great. Very insightful. Um, you know, love that you're focusing so much on this. I think there's still many, many open questions because this this problem is not going to go away. Um, yeah. Let's see how this um, you know moves forward. And I respect that you're erring on the side of caution. You're not being a cowboy. Um, and um, yeah, pretty sure that um, you know in in a few years we'll look back and say like. Okay, he was onto something uh, when a bunch of games are being shut down. So I uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure being here. Uh, Nico, Devin, awesome. Devin, thank you. And listener, thank you too. If you enjoyed, let us know. If you have questions for Oka, he's, he's in our Discord, so just come and, and ping him. Um, and if you think this deserves more, then also let us know. We can probably dig in and, and, and yeah, get some other people's thoughts as well. Right, with that, we're out. Speak to you next week. Ciao. Ciao.